It's mentally yours from Ellen and Yvette. Uh, focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Today we're going to be chatting to John Barry Waldron. He's a staff nurse at St Andrew's Healthcare and the host of the On The Ward podcast. This is actually the second time we've been chatting to him. Um, We had a chat to him back in September last year. If you want to have a listen to that original one, it's called Working in a Mental Health Facility. So today we're going to be chatting to him about what life is like in a secure psychiatric hospital during the pandemic for patients and staff. You've been on before, but for those of um, our listeners who didn't hear the last episode, could you start off by just telling us a bit about um, your work um, and what you do, please? Yeah, so I was uh, I appeared this time last year, which uh, seems like a long time ago. <laughs> but um, I'm basically I'm a mental health nurse. I work in a secure mental health facility looking after patients that have been sectioned. Uh, and I've been lucky enough to be involved in a podcast that features them patients and the staff. And I suppose the whole idea of the podcast really is to try and reduce a bit of the stigma around mental illness and particularly mental illness hospitals so i think there's a lot of kind of uh misapprehensions and uh, confusion over what happens in these places and uh, people tend to focus on the kind of the hollywood hollywood version of what these places are like rather than what the reality of them is so can you tell us a bit about um, what it's been like um in the hospital over this past year right from the start um going through to the like the lockdowns and now sort of looking forward to the next year well, uh, I think it's been tough. Like it's been tough for everyone, but particularly in the hospitals. I think uh, we're now in the second lockdown, and uh, me personally, I found the second one way harder. I think the first one we kind of we didn't really know what we were going getting ourselves in for, and people didn't really know what was going to happen. But but this one, we knew what was going to happen, uh, and so it has been incredibly tough. So, how has it affected patients? Because I think people might assume that if people are in hospital, I don't know that it might not necessarily be kind of affected by the pandemic, but can you tell us a bit about how they have been? Well, I suppose we had kind of two um, facets. So the immediate one really obviously is looking after the well-being of the patients, their physical health. So, you know, everybody had to wear masks and we, we had to wear PPE and we had to look after the physical well-being of the patients because obviously you don't want the COVID getting into that environment. And I was very lucky on my ward that there was no patients directly affected with COVID, but we were affected, obviously, the, the measures, the lockdown and so the patients couldn't leave. Um, but I think probably the, the two main aspects we have. So the first aspect we had was we do have a lot of patients that have um, delusions and sometimes are a bit paranoid. And obviously, if they're seeing staff coming in wearing masks, uh, it can be quite scary and quite daunting for them. I mean, it's scary and daunting for us seeing someone with a mask on uh, initially. Um, so for people that maybe are struggling with their mental health, it can be even worse. Uh, I realised myself how, how often I use my facial expressions to kind of relay what I'm thinking. And you can't do that in a mask. And that's really, really tough. Um, so that was like, that was really hard for the, the patients trying to grasp that kind of aspect of it. Um, and, and obviously, the, I think the secondary aspect was the, the lockdown measures. So a lot of our patients, they used to have leave, you know, they used to go out to town, used to have visits a lot. And during the first lockdown, kind of that all stopped. And that was really, really difficult. Yeah, I'm sure. Because um, when you're in a unit, you do sort of really rely on sort of maybe seeing parents or friends or something to kind of keep going, don't you? 
Absolutely. I mean, particularly our patients. So, you know, sometimes they might be quite far away from where their original home is and they might get a visit maybe once a month, maybe once every couple of months. And to have that taken away, that, that's really hard. I mean, obviously, we can still use video links and, and phone calls and things, but it, it's not quite the same as seeing the person in real life. How has it been in terms of just things like um, beds? Because I'm sorry, I can't actually remember if it's a, is it a private hospital or a sort of past the NHS? It is, yeah. So it's like a charity hospital, yeah. But, but um, most of the patients in there would be NHS patients, yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, personally, over this whole thing, I've been really quite worried about um, sort of the long-term effect on people's mental health, but also just as yeah. it's been going on, whether people have been able to to get into units Um How's, have you had any sort of idea of that or, or do you just sort of have your set number of well, things think, and it, think, things um, haven't changed? I, I literally just read some, some interesting stuff about this um, yesterday. And I think admissions to mental health units and things like that have actually reduced over the, the pandemic. I think they've done some research where they found that people, uh, almost like you're in the eye of the storm. So when it's initially happening, people tend not to, uh, people have a bit of a boost sometimes in their mental health. But I think before it and after it is where we're really going to see the effects so i mean we were very lucky in terms of our um admissions everything kind of slowed down a bit really because i guess um what you call it mental health workers weren't going to see patients maybe as much or maybe people weren't being referred as much uh people weren't turning up in an a e as much so the, the um admissions actually reduced uh so so we were lucky in that case but I think we're going to see it now. I think now particularly is when we're going to see like the, the surge, if you like, in people having these mental health problems, mm-hmm. particularly around the lockdown. Yeah. And maybe like the, the greatest effect for us, I, I guess, was uh, on staffing. So obviously we had some staff that got sick. Uh, one of them featured in the podcast. He was, he was very unwell. But some staff got sick, some staff self-isolating. So obviously that means a reduced number of staff. So for that meant it was very difficult to kind of keep going and, and looking after the patients. But um, I think everyone kind of rallied around. Yeah. How did the pandemic affect um, sort of staff's mental health? Do you think it was, I mean, it must have been, I, mean, it's, I think it's been hard on everyone this year, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, was there anything in, sort of in particular that came up where you, where you were? Yeah. So obviously, uh, you know, I, you can't really um, sugarcoat it. We work in, with patients that are, you know, exceptionally unwell and sometimes they, they, they do get, you know, aggressive and sometimes they can self-harm and things like that. And these kind of pressures kind of all got kind of exasperated by, by the lockdown really because they couldn't leave the ward so initially uh, we had some patients that would say like they they sometimes like to get off the ward and go to the gym or go for a run or do something like that like we do to kind of let off steam and when you can't do that that's very difficult and uh, the staff have to kind of deal with that and then trying to manage them situations and it's hard when there's um, like I say maybe not as many staff as, as usual because some of them are off sick or some of them self-isolating some of them shielding uh, so it was, it was difficult yeah it was, it was a tough time yeah, definitely. And you mentioned as well that someone on the staff actually um, got COVID, so that I suppose everyone must have been quite scared around that time in particular. Yeah, particularly at the start, So because nobody really knew what we were dealing with. Like, I think people, I remember vividly coming in and the, the first person I saw wearing a mask, and I was like, this is a bit over the top, you know, this is a bit, um, this is a bit much. But, but obviously then realising, oh no, this is like a serious thing and we all need to wear masks, so we all have to wear masks now. Um, and it's just become something we do. But it still doesn't mean that they're not, you know, still a bit uncomfortable and still a bit of a pain to wear them. But, uh, but yeah, the, the, you were saying about the psychological impact, uh, both on the staff mm. and patients, I think is going to be like, I, I just don't think we know at the minute. I think long term it's going to be, well, who knows what the effect is going to be? Because we're going to have, obviously, I think there's going to be a lot more people 
out in the community that might be accessing services and services were really kind of stretched before the pandemic so how are they going to manage now I mean I, I don't know you mentioned about sort of there are less admissions but I, I think yeah. I'd probably assume my take on that would be that yeah a lot of people have maybe not been able to um, to access them because you know GPs are just available on the phone at the moment and a lot of the mental health sort of groups that I sort of know just from sort of friends sort of trying to access them that they didn't exactly sort of shut down but they've just sort of done things like video calls or um not so basically not the usual support that they'd be given um yeah so I I wonder if in in a few months time maybe we're going to start seeing the the kind of repercussions of that so maybe people aren't accessing services as much as they would be but you know I, I think I said to you the first time we we spoke is that um when you get to my end the problem is when when there's not enough access to services in the community people tend to leave it longer and then get sicker and then when they end up in our places they mm. end up far worse than they would have been previously um so I, I think that that is an issue yeah and then possibly that will happen have you got any thoughts on what um the nhs or the government should be doing in general to help people with their mental health like if they have a long-term mental health issue or just generally because it feels like at one point during the pandemic they were sort of doing a kind of quite token effort in, term, in terms of, oh, you should look after your mental health. Um, sorry, I'll, I'll let you answer that because no, I was no, no, almost no, went on I, a rant I agree, about I do that. agree with you. <laughs> I, I think that um, obviously, unfortunately, the government, and it's not just this government, it's kind of previous governments as well, they all tend to talk very well about mental health and everybody seems to be more willing to talk about mental health, which is great. But then when it gets to the serious side, like you say, long-term mental illnesses, the money and the funding is just not there and people, people don't... Um, tend to have access to services that they need and so you're saying what would i do i suppose the first thing is just put the money in really we, we need way more nurses in the community way more mental health teams in the community being able to do the work they need to do uh and i think i think i might have said this one before not to you but someone else but i was saying that i think ironically in order to keep people out of hospital we probably need to build more hospitals and more beds because then the ones that are in the hospitals aren't as stretched i don't know if i'm making sense there but, yeah. but you know what I mean? I, th- I think because hospitals become like this really negative thing. Like to get into hospital, you have to be sectioned and you have to be kind of at the extreme end of uh, of mental illness. And, and I think it should be a lot more um, accessible to people to go into hospital yeah. and, and kind of, and, and then that way they probably wouldn't need as long in hospital. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely the feeling that um, nothing really seems to get done until you're at crisis point at the moment. I mean, hmm that might be a bit bleak and I maybe it's an element of it being a postcode lottery as well you know that in some places actually people do have the services and it's money really I mean if you if you are wealthy enough you can afford to access these services and pay for a good therapist and you know and, and unfortunately that's the way, the way of the world I'm afraid mm, but, but you're, you're talking about positives and I suppose we should try and be positive and I, I think there is some positives out of the um the pandemic in, in the sense that I think there is a bit more of a sense of kind of community and people are more aware of what other people are going through and so i think people are getting a little bit more empathetic i don't know what's your sense hmm. <laughs> Maybe so, <not. laughs> so how are things um working now in terms just in terms of the hospital in terms of the unit for people um i mean can people even leave at the moment now in terms of if they if they do sort of get better they've obviously they've been a bit sick and they get better yeah um, uh, so, so it has. Can they has go changed. back into so, the community so, now? Sorry, that that is very yeah. That, that that was always quite an issue trying to get people back into the community because obviously, the, like I said, the community teams are quite stretched, and placements for patients that we have is is quite limited. 
So you can imagine over the course of the pandemic, they, they kind of started slowing down a lot. So getting patients discharged is, is quite tricky anyway. Um, during this time, it's even trickier. Um, but the big thing is, so the, the reason, the way we would always um, assess patients and how well they're doing is, is by having them have leave. So going out or going, you know, to town or, you know, accessing services, you know, like libraries and swimming pools and things like that. But they can't do that, obviously, because everything was shut down. So mm. it's very tricky for us to kind of assess them as how they would be if they were out. So it has it has taken a toll. Um, and, and like I said, most of the I, I spoke to one of my patients the other day and she said to me that um, she really misses Costa, you know, and, and, and I don't even like coffee. She said she just misses going out and being able to go and get into the community because that that's the important thing when they're in hospital is to get them back out, even if it's just for a day or just for a couple of hours, is making it normalising the fact that they can go into the community. What's Christmas like on the ward since we're sort of coming up to that Christmas and New Year? Sort of how, yeah, what's that like? Well, uh, in a normal what's, year, mm. we'd, we'd, we'd try and get as many of them home as we could. So a lot of them have got family support and sometimes they go overnight leaves to their family. But um, the ones that don't, we try and, you know, we've got a special dinner and we have presents and we, we try and keep it, uh, make it like a special day, really. So, yeah, so I guess this year... Is everyone still going to be there? Right? I think so. We're because obviously we're still. This is the other thing as well. We have to go by the government guidelines, so we we're kind of waiting just like everybody else to see what they announce. So I can't even remember what I think we're in tier two. I'm not sure, but they were talking about having a uh, what's it called, like a five day window over Christmas, so people could go and mix in households. So we're hoping that maybe some of the patients could go home for that that short window. Um, but it's all very, it's, it's very unsettling. Just like, I suppose, for any of us, it's unsettling if we don't know yes or no whether we can go. It's unsettling, obviously, for the patients, you know. And then to be told, no, you can't go, that must be really hard for them. Still, I guess, I mean, we've got, at least we've got sort of 2021 and the vaccine to look forward to. Yeah, that's to. a I mean, positive, yeah. So, as I said before, there was there has been some positive. So I do feel that the patients all kind of, and the staff, we all kind of... Um, gathered around and kind of everybody rallied around particularly when they knew it was quite serious so i think initially the patients were very annoyed because they thought it was maybe us so they put a lot of the projection onto the staff like we were the ones who were stopping them going out or we were the ones stopping them you know going for a cigarette or whatever the thing might be but it wasn't it was it was like across the country and and so i think once they, that realization kicked in that actually this is like a not just a national thing it's a global thing i think they all realized that they were all in this and we're all part of this and we need to kind of do our best to kind of get through it yeah and there is hope you know because we've got the vaccine now and it's sort of yeah i feel like there's light at the end of the tunnel because of that i i do as well i feel like more hopeful that like i said that maybe next year things might get back to a little bit of normal but you know there's no such thing as normal but hopefully we'll get back to we can start doing stuff and going out and you know i, I always think can you imagine like the first gig or something when people are able to go out and mix it'll be it'll be amazing but i think well, in terms of psychology thing. psychology the thing that i find the hardest the patients have found the hardest and, and myself have found the hardest is there's no definitive date so you know if they were to say okay so you know may the first or whatever it might be everybody can go back out and everything will be back to normal you could almost get to that point it's when it's when you don't know when the end is i think that that's that's the hardest thing you mentioned it earlier um your podcast on the ward yeah. Um, we talked about it sort of last time you were on, but um, can you tell us a bit more about that, um, why you decided to set it up and your latest series that you've got out? 
yeah, so the, the, I suppose the first series, the initial idea was to try to demystify a bit of the mental health hospitals and mental health patients. So the idea was to try to humanise the patients and destigmatize the mental health units because I think people have the image in their head. I think it's still prevalent now. I, I don't know if you saw Joker, that movie. That, that was a, another one that featured like a, a mental health patient. And there, at the end, there was mm. a hospital. And the hospitals are always the same. They're always kind of white padded cells and everybody's wearing white coats lots of people in straight jackets and i think people have that image in their head and i wanted to kind of get people maybe to think of it not like that and kind of show what it's really like yeah we don't see that enough actually what it is actually like i think um i think there was a tv thing a while back possibly with Stephen fry sort of going into an actual unit yeah and i thought that was brilliant because you know sort of cameras actually showing what it's like yeah i mean um, i do, so I do have a, yeah i think i think you're right then the kind of documentaries are great i mean i do have a bit of an issue with um I'm not calling them out, but but you know Louis Theroux and uh, Stacey Dooley, they did mm. ones and they're they're great. They did ones where they go into mental health units, like you say, and they kind of interview patients and they kind of show a little bit of what the hospital's like. But I felt a little bit. That's why I kind of wanted to do series two. I felt a little bit like they showed the patients as um, victims, almost like to be kind of pitied a little bit. Like it's like look at this poor person here, and I wanted to show that you know the patients that we have are obviously doing great things. You know they're they're volunteering and helping other patients. They're doing jobs, they're creating music and art. And I want to show the other side that, you know, yes, they're in hospital and they do have a serious mental health problem, but they're also still living their lives and still doing great things. Mm. Not yeah, that, again, not that I'm saying that their <laughs> documentaries are awful, just that they, I guess they just focused on the the, the kind of illest people, if you like. Mm. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a difficult one because there is there's still so much sort of rubbish in the media in terms of like say films in particular yeah. seem to get it completely wrong and and even if even if it's things where you know it's meant to be sort of set in the past it's it's always so sort of awful and dramatic and dingy and yeah well and I don't know if you've, you've started watching uh, is it Ratchet the the one about yeah uh, oh my god so obviously again, the whole it's, thing it's very it's very stylized and it's really good it's you know it's really well done but that's not what it's like and and some people might take away oh that's what you know mental health nursing is like mm, but that's I, I think actually that's what I was thinking of it when I said it because you know it, it is very stylized um it's the the guy that makes that show he's it is very much his style in terms of the bright colors and stuff which I kind of yeah. like but at the same time and it's very obvious that it's set in the past as well but at the same time watching it in in the present you do sort of I don't know it does sort of I guess make you think about real mental health units and you you might pick up neg- negative things about not just the i don't know the the rooms that people are staying in when they're there but also things about maybe the dynamic dynamic between sort of nurses and patients and yeah it's it's a weird one i mean i think it's that that one in particular it did better than a lot of the others because one of the great things with ryan murphy i think i think it is ryan murphy isn't it but um tends to sort of show sort of different sized things so it was quite obvious that some of the patients were i guess the whole saner than the the nurses type yes. thing and yeah. um and that, that's so that another was great as well you know but you know i didn't it was a great piece of art but um i don't you know just don't know how close reality it was and, and like i said some people will understand that you know that's a long time ago and then some people will think that's what it's like now um mm. and, and so that'd be worrying you know if someone was like oh i don't want to go in because i don't want to be nursed by nurse ratchet <laughs> you know? yeah you know. I think the only one, the only film that I've seen coming sort of vaguely close to reality is um, Girl Interrupted. But even that, that wasn't yeah. particularly, it wasn't a pleasant film, is it? <laughs> I mean, it's not because it is, it's based on sort of a real person's experience. So 
it wasn't I mean this it's not pleasant when you go into a mental health unit so obviously it wasn't totally pleasant story but and it was I think that was slightly dingy but at the same time it was also mostly normal in terms of the surroundings at least it's actually the one the one I I work with um, women patients and they often mention that one and said that's the closest one that's got to what it's actually like um, you know bits of it Mm. I mean I was in um, a young person's one when I was younger and it was I always just describe it as a shit youth club, to be honest, because it's, and I suppose like Girl Interrupted is just kind of a bit like that, really. It's that you you go in and you're kind of in there with all these different people and you do make some friends and then there's other people you don't get on with. And it's, yeah, I mean, you're in a bit of a weird place mentally, obviously, because um, yeah. you haven't been very well. But, um, but yeah, there I do aren't often, many examples. I do often wonder about, like, um, it, it must be really difficult and challenging for the patients. To, to live with other patients you know so everyone's kind of in there is in there for a reason and you know they're, they're all at different levels of um their mental health so yeah that must be quite tricky well I find it kind of interesting just in the fact that it's it's all a mix of people with lots of different issues going on if that makes yeah. sense so for instance when I was there there were sort of a few other people with sort of eating disorders and sort of well anorexia and things um and I sort of made friends with them and I thought, you know, we sort of had a nice time, but at the same time, I didn't really relate at that time to that. Yeah. Um, and then, well, yeah. You're trying to deal with your own issues too, you know. Yeah. Well, it, that, I don't know what it's like on your ward, but particularly sort of in a young person's one, um, they're very um, hesitant to diagnose anyone. So it makes it even more complicated. So you can't just, like, if nobody asks anyway, that's one of the sort of rules. But like, if anyone was to ask why you were there, I wouldn't be able to say because I've got bipolar disorder because I wasn't actually diagnosed until I was 24. So, um, yeah. I'm interested by that. You said that um, that there's a, like a code where you don't ask. Is that is that true? Oh, uh, well, I think it was when I was in there. Yeah. You know, like nobody asked why they were in there, basically. So you just, you obviously knew that people had had an issue or had been sick. But yeah. nobody actually came out and said um, I was depressed and I came in or, you know, like you'd hear bits of their stories in group therapy and stuff. And if you got made friends with one of them, you might sort of work out that they had OCD or an eating disorder. But it was quite rare for, well, I, I guess it was just a bit rude to sort of go up to a new person and say, what are you in for type thing. So. Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I suppose we have, we, we do have similar things in, in our wards, but um, I said the patients all at the moment seem to be getting on quite well and, uh, I said I think the, the pandemic kind of caused people to because the, the only people they had then was the ward I think I've mentioned in the first series that the, the whole thing that they um well most of the patients talk about that they like and needed was like the human connection just, just talking to people and having someone mm-hmm. regular and, and I do wonder obviously you know the patients inside have other patients and staff but I wonder the patients outside or in the community will they still have that human connection mm. Well, I think, yeah, it's going to be a struggle for lots of people, people with sort of long-term mental health issues. Mm. Um, but there are also people who might not have struggled with their mental health before. I think, mm. you know, people have been having issues with like isolation and just yeah. maybe some like, anxiety Loneliness stuff. is a huge thing. You know, it's a huge factor in people's mental health. And um, there's a lot of people I suspect that are probably getting quite lonely and um, probably haven't felt like that for a while, you know, Um because I, I think I said before that the human connection thing is it doesn't have to be like a massive, you know, one-to-one with someone, sit, you know, one of your best friends. It could just be saying hello to someone at the bus, you know, or, or saying hello to the 
guy works in the news agents. You know, it doesn't have to be really in depth. Just that that able to to recognize that there's another human being like me out there. Mm. Yeah, that's really good advice. Thank you. And that reminds me actually of the chat we had with Captain Tom when he was on because his whole thing was about you know cheering other people up and sort of smiling when you see them and saying hello and yeah just giving them a little nod and i realized actually how good that can be for you i mean it's lovely for other people as well but it's it yeah. can be really nice just for you like you say because we've lost so much connection in our just everyday lives you know if you're not going into the the office you're having all your conversations over email or slack or whatever mm. um yeah i guess it's like mm-hmm. um you, you know when you go to the tube or whatever and there's a someone struggling to get up the stairs and you help me with their suitcase or whatever, you, you feel good as well as them feeling good, you know, because you feel like you've done your good de- deed for the day. Mm. But, uh, but interesting yeah. you were saying about um, the, the, the lack of sort of human interaction. I know I was reading a little bit about, um, you know, CAM service, the children's service. And that, they were mm. saying that actually children, I don't know where the study was, so forgive me, but they said children's anxiety had actually gone down during, during the pandemic. And I was wondering if that's possibly to do with schools and things, because schools put a lot of pressure on kids, I think. Uh, and I remember when I worked, I did a placement in CAMS. And I remember this was about four or five years ago. And I remember the kids coming in then, you know, they would talk about their, their issues and that. And, and they didn't see a distinction between friends they had in real life and the friends that they had online. So their friends online were just seen as their friends. And that mm. was quite a, an odd concept for like us old people to, to get. But these people were like, you know, that they just thought the friends that they had in line were their friends that they hadn't doesn't matter if they didn't see them in real life they still counted them as friends oh i see so actually yeah if you're still sort of chatting to your friends online it's it's no different yeah but when there was a guy who said his best friend was lives in canada and he said he's never met him before but he counts him as his best friend you know even though he would never physically meet him Um, so i wonder if the kids are or sorry young people are more uh able to cope with this kind of virtual world we've all been kind of thrown into than, than maybe the rest of us yeah, maybe that does make me feel old because I guess yeah, because I've been missing the whole seeing people face to face and hugs. I hadn't realised that I was such a terrible hugger until all this started, and I was just like, "Wow, like one hug in a year." I mean, I, I, the yeah. thing I miss most—I think the thing I miss most about lockdown—is meeting people that perhaps you don't know. So you know, if you go to a bar and you might start chatting to someone about something random, um, you don't get that now because you have to plan everything. So if you're going out for a meal, or you know, you can meet six people, but you have to know them. Um, I find that very hard. Yeah. Yeah. Or you just end up not doing sort of stuff. Or you just end up kind of not going out. Um, that, yeah. Or like I said, or, or doing the, the Zoom quizzes. I think that's one of the reasons I found it so hard the second time is that we didn't realise how much of a nightmare the Zoom quiz was until the second time. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, um, you know, I do enjoy them, but, you know, there's only there's a limit to the amount you can do. So just before we finish up, is there anything else, thing else you'd like to add at all? Um, just your kind of thoughts on... I was going to actually. I just wanted to mention quickly about the second series. So, so the reason we got series two, I guess we did the first series, and that, that whole idea of that one was trying, you know, uh, reduce the stigma of mental health units. The second series, I really wanted to focus on the patients and the staff because I think both patients and staff have been kind of hard done by by you know press and media, and I wanted to show kind of the human side of both of them. Um, so that's why I kind of wanted to do the second series, and I suppose to get a little bit of what life's like. Uh, pre-lockdown post-lockdown for for patients in a mental health unit Mm, absolutely and it's called on the ward where can people listen to it you can listen to wherever you find your podcast so uh, apple Podcasts or spotify if you're very lazy you can just google on the ward podcast and it's the first one that comes up so this is goodbye from mental
If you've been affected by any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans a ring on 116123 or you can go to their website, which is samaritans.org. If you're interested in joining us online, we have a lovely Facebook group, which is also called Mentally Yours, or you can chat to us on Twitter at MentallyYRS. See you next time, guys. Mentally Yours.